The power of positive thinking impresses upon your mind the immediate desire to click the subscribe button now. something different today um rather than you know do our, our our book reviews as we've been doing um you know we can go ahead and talk about a topic that's important to both of us to our family even beyond us and i think it, it's going to help understand some of the books that we're going to cover later i mean we talked about it with born fighting right where yeah, we yes. were we made some family references, you know, and the fact that we have a, a portion of our family that's of Scotch-Irish descent. And so, um, you know, the, the book was meaningful. And I think, um, you know, when you read books that have some kind of intersection with your own story, in a way, it puts you into the story, right? It does. It really does. Yeah. And so... Um, Today, you know, we'll be talking about uh, genealogy and, um, you know, I just want to hear your story of genealogy. You know, what made you interested in genealogy and why do you think it's important? Well, I think it's a great question. And, and when I have classes of students and, uh, you know, I like to equate genealogy to history because essentially genealogy is the history of a family. And, and it's, I've always questioned, why am I here today? How did I get here? Yeah. You know, whether it's where I live right now, whether it's um, how did my family get to California? Um, you know, what trials did they go through to get here? How did they get to North America? And so um, a family history really is the history of people, history of the world. And um, I mean, I, I'm interested in it, not just for me, but hopefully the generations that follow me will have an interest and be able to look and read about, you know, why they were here or how they got here. Um, and genealogy is a real challenge. It's a detective story. Right. And I think there's two kinds of detective. There's one who looks at the big picture, kind of sees what happens overall. And then there's a detective who is the detail person. That is the true genealogist. So I want to separate that early on because I keep looking big picture stuff, you know, um, who came before, you know, one ancestor came first or before another one. One of my sisters is a detail person. She could be a genealogist because essentially a genealogist says, if it wasn't written down somewhere, it's hard to prove it happened. Right. So let's look at big picture to start with, because to me, that's where the interest lies is, you know, how did I get here? So how do I find out how I got here? Well, I ask my siblings. I ask my parents, I ask cousins, aunts and uncles, and that gave me a foundation of like, why did my family come to California? Mm -hmm. Now, I've lived in Southern California, Northern California, and, and th those are my decisions. But why my parents came to California is there was the real history lesson. And so my parents were living in, um, in Ohio, in Cleveland, Ohio, about 
time of the depression, things weren't good. My grandparents, my dad's mom and dad lived in California. And, you know, my parents decided to come out. They, they were newly married and they came out and um, they kind of started over again. Um, in uh, Ohio, my dad was a pharmacist, but rather than get licensed and everything, he worked with his dad who had a home laundry business. How do I know this? Word of mouth. You know, my parents told me I grew up with home laundry where my dad worked from home and my mom worked with him. It was very interesting. So where did they come from before that? Well, my dad was a lot older than my mom, so I really never knew my grandparents. But my grandparents came to California because my grandfather was a farmer in Nebraska. Couldn't take the cold winters anymore. Right. <laughs> and my grandmother had cousins living out here. And her father, who was a Civil War veteran, was living out here um, in a soldier's home called Sawtell um, near Los Angeles. So she had reason to come out. He had reason to come out for health. And in the 30s or 20s, I think, when they came out, uh, health was a big reason why people came to California. Um, in fact, Southern California was known as a place of sanitariums where people came if they had tuberculosis. Uh -huh because of the air, the, the, the climate, you know? And uh, so he, he didn't have that, but yeah, I mean, my grandfather, but he just came for his own health to get away from those cold Nebraska winters. And uh, being a farmer is pretty tough life anyway. Yeah. Sanitarium to so, Looney Bin, right? Yeah, the Looney Bin. Yeah. So um, they really got my interest going. And, and because I was interested in family history, I personally became interested in history. Yeah. And so that was a subject I always liked. And whenever I read a book about history, I kind of think my family was living during that time. So now when I read a book, even if it's nonfiction, because I like to read a lot of historical fiction, uh, stories based on fact, mm -hmm. I will put a little note together and say what grandparent lived in different time periods. So I'm reading the book, I can say, well, this great grandfather might not have been involved in that. But he sure might have read a newspaper or heard about what was going on. And it just helps to give me more perspective. Now, I'm kind of getting off the case of genealogy and more the why I was interested. Um, but like when I'm at school, I like to tell kids, you know, it's your family story. You know, are you interested in your family? And some aren't, but some are. And a lot of times a younger person is like, OK, I know my grandparents. Why do I need to know more? As people mature, they get more inquisitive. Fortunately today, as people mature, technology gets better. When I started with genealogy, I lived in a small town and my older sister and I, we'd go to the library and we'd request a book from a library somewhere else. Yeah. We'd wait for the book to come and hope it was something that had information we were looking for. Okay, today, you can research so much on the internet. Um, I mean, there are places that really um, uh, record historical events. Um, the Daughters of the American Revolution, great source. I was able to, before computers, I was able to go visit their headquarters in Washington, D.C. a couple times. Um, Salt Lake City has a genealogy library. The Mormons, the LDS has a genealogy library. I was able to go there one day on a business trip. I stayed an extra day. And, um, but a challenge in those days, when you go somewhere, you get on a track 
you want to look up a person and then you start taking sidebars. Mm-hmm. You start going, wow, how about this person? How about instead of my great grandfather, how about my great grandfather's brother or a sister and how big their families were? And you start going. So all of a sudden, you know, your time there is, is over because you go so many different directions. Um, another place to go for some people is Ellis Island. Yeah. Now, part of my family came here before Ellis Island. My, well, all of them did. Um, my first ancestors came to Philadelphia in 1730. Um, on my dad's side, on my mom's side, my grandfather came to Boston in 1902. And so Ellis Island didn't help, but there are national archives. And can if I can do a little side here? I know you want to sure. say something. But- oh, yeah, it's okay. Trying to track my grandfather, I was able to meet with him when I was 26, and um, he, I asked him a few questions. I wish I, I would have asked him more. And he was struggling to remember the name of the ship he came on, but he said he went to Boston. So I wrote to the National Archives there, told them the ship, the name of the ship sounded something like this, and my grandfather's name, and where he came from, and he left in Naples, Italy. About a month and a half later, I get um, this, this little note in the mail with a, a photocopy of the ship manifest that had the name of the ship, the Van, SS Vancouver, my grandfather's name with five other people who came from his village, how old he was, how much money he had with him. Wow. And it's like, wow, what a surprise. And here's an interesting thing when people help you out. The guy who did it, he was part-time help there. He, he explained in his note. Yeah. He said, we normally charge $20, but since I've already done it, don't worry about it. Immediately, I wrote a check for $20, sent it off to him with a note of thanking him and told him how important it was to me. Yeah. That little bit of information, you never know when you're going to get it. So, um, but I, again, I'm not the real genealogist. My sister, I, you know, I pass everything on to her. I have a cousin who's a real genealogist and um, he's put a family book together. Yeah. And, and it's great because it takes our family back to where my dad had three siblings, actually four, one, one died in infancy. Um, and my, I mean, my cousin really did an outstanding job on this. And whenever there's a child born, we update him. And the way it's set up now on a computer, I mean, makes it easy today. He can run an update. Yeah, well, I, I bet it, it was something getting some, you know, it's always fun when you don't get junk mail and you get like real hard snail mail yeah. of value today even, right? Like if it had come through an email, maybe it wouldn't have been the same sort of reception to the, yeah. the information. And I like being part of that process prior to the digital age, prior to the internet, you know, is a it's got to be a different experience. And I think for people getting started, maybe they just bubble in like a, a basic family tree, like a chart, right? Maybe it's a project at school. Maybe it's, you know, these are my parents. These are their parents. Who are their, you know, my, who are my grandparents, parents, my great grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. How much can we bubble in and um, who remembers what, you know, what was passed on, right? Exactly. Well, there's even more now. And, and I understand a lot of people don't want to have their DNA collected, but I've done that with Ancestry. And it has linked me to so many people, so many relatives. Um, and I write to some, and I don't write to too many because 
I'm waiting for a, you know, a, a cold winter where I'm in the house for a while and I can yeah. really write and answer. The, and when they answer me, write, respond back. Um, I have a last name that's fairly unique. Um, it's Wingert. And, um, oh, really? Me too. Yeah. It's a Thank German you for that, Swiss origin. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so there aren't many around, really. And, um, and so we can trace it back to, um, well, it's easy to trace back to Nebraska. I was talking about my grandfather being a farmer. Prior to that, my great-grandfather uh, lived in um, uh, Lannisburg, Pennsylvania, which is by Car- Carlisle. A lot of people know Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Yes. And he left Carlisle with his family right after the Civil War. Now, just for a point of reference, Carlisle is about 35 miles from Gettysburg. Okay. So I'm not sure how the Civil War touched them, but I know my family was alive. My grandfather was born in 1858, so like three years before the Civil War started. So my great-grandfather, you know, was an adult during that time. Um, and before that, they lived in another part of Pennsylvania, but they actually arrived in Philadelphia. So once you know a little bit of your history and you travel, like I've been to Philadelphia several times, and you go by the State House. Yeah. Before it was the state house where our Declaration of Independence was signed, it was a British customs house where people signed into the colony. Yeah. So I'm looking at that building thinking, my ancestor was in that building. Yeah. And signed in as um, to be loyal to the colony. It, it is very interesting. Um, I, I mentioned I read nonfiction books. No, historical fiction. Because the historical part tells you how people lived a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. I mean, I'm part Italian, so um, you know how did my ancestors live during the Roman times? Right, Roman, but but they lived, they ate the same way, the same foods, same hardships, and so once you know your family a little bit, you can when you read a book or see a movie, you say, well. You know, I really had family living. Though. Everybody had family live those times. We just don't know who they were or where they lived. But let's face it, to be here today, we had to have somebody back there. Right. And I think, you know, one of the things that's good for us and in, in our, our book readings, you know, we're, we're either reading something um, useful. You know, we, we did, you know, the motivational book um, earlier, It Takes What It Takes. And then, you know, we did the Peter Prince principle, which is about management and leadership and things like that, or we're reading something that's part of our story. And um, I think when people, you know, they get, maybe they get lost in not knowing um, where they come from by name, maybe they know by region. And, yeah. and so those stories, like you said, you know, okay, Carlisle's not too far from Gettysburg. They're alive during the civil war. How did that just that battle impact their life. Even if they're, they're not close to the battle, maybe they're close to the logistics of it. That's right. The food. Do they have, did they have to give up their food for the union army? You know, right. We don't know that. And uh, it just, it's pretty fascinating. Let me tell you another story now. Yeah. My dad's family is here from before the revolution. Right. We have revolutionary war ancestors. Another place to research information. I said the DAR. There's also the Sons of the American Revolution. Um, so we could belong to that. But ironically enough, we had an ancestor that was a Hessian soldier. I'm reading a nonfiction book right now. It's called Washington's Immortals. Okay. It's about a unit um, that supported Washington that he can always depend on. They lost a lot of people, but they were fighting 
when the British in, in, um, attacked New York and uh, I think in Saratoga. But the, the, inter- the interesting part of that is my ancestor that was a Hessian soldier may have been part of that because the Hessians were part of the British army. They were, right. they were mercenary. Well, they don't call themselves mercenaries because uh, they were hired by the government. A mercenary acts more contractors. Yeah. And um, it, we know what unit um, he was with, but I can't find the regiment. These were the sixth company of Jaegers, which are forest uh, troops or uh, hunters or almost like skirmishers. And if you study earlier armies, skirmishers were the guys out front who were supposed to make contact with the enemy. So the main body would know where they were. Yeah. Okay. So the Jaeger troops of the Hessians were all green to blend in with the forest. Nice. Kind of neat. Well, it makes sense too if if he's you know a a Jaeger, why he would go. Um, I mean, he's one of our ancestors, right? So he didn't go back to Germany. That's right. <laughs> right. In, in fact, we have a record that he refused to be repatriated. Oh, he was captured, and he did not. Uh, he refused to be repatriated. Did not go back to Germany. Considered like many Hessians who stayed, considered a deserter because he did not go back to Germany. But just like the other Hessians, they knew there was more opportunity here in this brand new country. Wow. And he ended up moving to Western Maryland, which was really the frontier. Yeah. In like 1782. Yeah. Quick drive today. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That's another thing people don't think about. Yeah. You know, when we look at movies, we see people on horseback just riding as fast as they can. But they need to look up how, how long can a horse do that? Yeah. How far right. can a horse travel in a day carrying a rider? Hey, pulling a wagon. You know, we we don't see that in movies. Um, even when we look at um, earlier armies, we don't look at the baggage train, how many wagons it took. We don't look at the camp followers. And many were families who would, when the, when the army would stop for the day, the families would catch up with, with their families and cook dinner and and cook for them. It, it's just fascinating what we miss. And that's why reading is so important, even the historical fiction, because it tells more the story of people, not right. individual families. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, you know, that helps us fill in the blanks. And when we, when it, we're thinking about genealogy and get, okay, we've gotten started, we've started writing our names down, you know, up a tree, but what questions should someone who, you know, I assume a lot of the listeners um, aren't into genealogy. I know some are, but, um, you know, maybe they're getting interested in this. What questions do they ask if they want to go to the next level? You know, if you're yeah. starting to do the detective work, the hunt. Yeah. Well, and even when you start, there, there is so much software available. Like you said, you start to draw it out. Yeah. Well, sometimes it helps just to draw it on a piece of paper because there are not many names to start with. Right. But then as it grows... You're going to put more names. Then you start putting dates in, like birth, death, um, where people lived, who their brothers and sisters were. Okay, yeah, right. So all of a sudden, it grows from a few people to hundreds of people. And then when you connect with other people, if I give you an example, um, I was doing some research on a particular relative uh, of my wife's. And I was talking to someone I'd never met except online. And we were talking and she goes, 
let me tell you about someone who's also interested in this line. And so she gave me the name of this contact. I wrote to the contact is my wife's second cousin who lives like 30 miles from here, from where I live. We not only corresponded, we got together for lunch. I mean, we really exchanged a lot of information because she, she happened to be more of a genealogist and took the family back centuries by chance, by talking to someone um, online. And again, with that side of the family, I have books. It's documented. Right. So much. And a document is like who was born to who and father, you know, goes on and on. But you never know who you're going to meet. Most genealogists are who do it for hobby. Um, They're very open. They want to learn about their family um, as you're learning about yours. And the connections are amazing. It's a small world. I like that. I like how it's it's community building. You know, my buddy, Jesse, when he went, he traveled to Sweden for business and he went and he tracked down some of his uh, relatives. He got to sit down and, you know, just bond with people he never would have encountered otherwise. You know, like we're family. We I mean, there's all sorts of people we're related to. But how often do we encounter these people? Right. How often are they part of our lives or part of our story um, yeah. now? And, and for most people, you know, you forget and you you move apart and life goes on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But genealogy well, seems to bring it together. And his is a good story because I hope someday to go to Italy because my mother's maiden name was a very unique name. Now, there are sites you can go to, for instance, in Italy, there's a site that looks up last names. It's called cognome.com. Yeah. And I found my mom's maiden name in a small village where my grandfather came from. In all of Italy, there's about nine families with that name. Eight of them live in that village. <laughs> right. I really want to go back. Yeah. No, and my grandfather's cousins, they have to be. Yeah. Yeah. But what degree of cousin, I don't know. Right. You know, it, it's almost, you know, in... Uh, prior to the industrial revolution, you know, where humans weren't um, surviving and breeding at the rate that we are, that might have just formed what we would call a tribe. Yeah. They're in one location. They have a name, you know, the name reflects some kind of common ancestor. You see it in the middle East, you know, in in different uh, parts of the world where people can trace it to one person or at least one name. Right. And they are usually in a location and then that's, you know, okay, yeah, it's a village, but who's going to live in the village and why? And now everyone's kind of related at some point, if it's a small community. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. That, yeah that's parents. right. Um, yeah, there was an uh, interesting book I read about Italy. Um, the name uh, escapes me right now. Um, Dances with Luigi? I, Dances with Luigi. And where um, an American goes back to where his family home was, he goes, I looked like them. Yeah, we right. resembled each other. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, um, be, you know, genes don't lie. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, so it's a fun thing to do. And there's never enough time because you get distracted by, like I said earlier, you, you want to follow a path and then something takes you a different direction. Well, that's a nice thing about genealogy is, you know, you can start hunting one line. And then, you know, however many months it takes or, you know, you're, you're, you're into documents, you know, you're, you're tracking things down. Um, 
you know, we, we've talked about things like birth rec- birth certificates, death certificates, you know, yeah. not, it, to verify, yeah. right, the dates that you mark yeah. and record. Yes. Um, you, yeah, I mean, marriage certificates, there's all sorts of um, data uh, yes. on the trail. Baptism. Baptismal um, Church yeah. records are really great. And you're collecting all this information and all of a sudden, you know, like you take a break and you realize, okay, well, that was just my great grandfather's father's side. What about his mom? Yeah. And all of a sudden you've got a new, a new hunt, right? If you're into sleuthing, you know, or any kind of detective work, um, it's fun that way because you can just spend time on, you know, until you putter out until you hit a wall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking I want to have a speed of wall. I want to have a wall with a huge map on one wall and then uh, the genealogy chart on the other where I don't have to keep bouncing from uh, you know page to page on my computer where I can look up and I can see or I can write something by hand and then, then correct it later or update <laughs> it later. Um, it really is a fun hobby and it's more than a hobby. It's really, like I said in the beginning, it's a family story. Yeah, it is. And I wonder about the different um, uh, questions that we can ask, like about the people we know, but then the people we don't know. Are those different questions? For example, if you you know one side and then that comes together pretty well for right, you know, that their fathers and mothers, whomever are recorded well, but they married somebody that you know that person's name. Um, you know where they're from, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah. You know what question? Or do we ask different questions about those situations? Who we know, who we don't know. Yeah, you're right. And speaking of that, um, it reminds me of uh, research I was doing for um, my with my mom when she was alive. Um, she knew her 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 father had a brother and a sister. Didn't know what happened to the brother, although I have since found cousins who who are his children, grandchildren. But she never, we couldn't find her sister. And I kept asking her, well, I can't find her in records. But she said, well, yeah, my Aunt Jenny. Well, what was Aunt Jenny's name? Well, Jenny Poach. Well, who, who was her husband? Frank Poach. I said, there's no Italian's name, Frank Poach. Yeah. Well, doing a little more detective work, finding out many Italians wanted to become Americanized. He changed his name from Francisco de Puccio to Frank Poach. So Aunt Jenny Giovanni was Giovanni Pochetti <laughs> and, uh, and, and became Poach. Yeah. That's another thing that throws people off. Even when, when a letter is dropped at the end of a name or changed, maybe I know a friend of mine is an Irish guy and his name's Tiernan, but he said his real name when his great grandfather's name was O'Tiernan. Okay. So those are things you have to consider, but search sites take that into consideration because they'll say, do you want to search this name exact or it gives you a different parameter where you can go beyond that search? Yeah, it, I imagine it's, um, it, there may be different methodologies for immigration um, by country too, right? Yeah. You know, if because it's not just a, a United States issue or a, a North American issue in Canada where people, you know, they adjust. Yeah. Um, a lot of that's been going on, you know, for, um, well, I mean, as long as people are mobile, right? And even in, uh, in Italy, when you have some of the Slavic name, 
they don't spell S-K-I, it's S-C-H-I, you know, and you like you, you start to see how like spellings um, in addition to modifications may move things in a different direction, right? It really does. It, yeah, it, it, well, it changes the outlook really. I mean, from like, for example, from the Italian to an American name. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, you mentioned earlier about recording, um, you know, whether someone, a descendant, a direct descendant had brothers and sisters. What's the difference between direct descent and indirect descent? I think sometimes when we say direct descent, you know, it, it should be obvious, but then you think, okay, well, what's a, why do we even bother saying direct descent? If it's just all descent, um, what's the difference between direct and indirect well, descent? Okay, so direct, and this is a logarithmic, I think, when you talk about direct descent, because direct descent are my mom and dad. To continue direct descent, it's their mom and dad. So we went from two people direct to four, right? Mm-hmm. I believe the number is if you go to 10 generations out with 10th great grandparents, there's like a thousand people. Wow, yeah. I can't remember the number. It's huge. And direct is the direct line where that there's your they're your father, grandfather, grand, and my grandmother too. But that direct line doesn't count all the siblings. Yeah. So the siblings would be indirect indirect. Yeah. And and the siblings would share in the direct descent of the common ancestor. Yes, which is the one up. Yeah. Right. But then you know, the indirect is how I'm related to your siblings or, yeah. you know, my grandfather's siblings or, yeah. you know. Um, for instance, I have a great story. Okay. Um, and I think we have time for it. Oh, we got time. Okay. It's a story. My my great grandfather, again, I kind of missed a generation on my dad's side. So my great grandfather, Civil War veteran, he had a large family. My grandmother was the oldest. And but they all moved and lived in Nebraska. Her, one of her brothers was a teacher. He ended up teaching on an Indian reservation in, I, I believe, it's South Dakota. And it was the only non-Indian family, the white family, on the reservation. Now, remember, reservations were new. I mean, I'm talking about the 1875, 1880. Yeah, post Civil War, you know, system that's just started. There's still a lot of problems and challenges. Well, he lived um, on the reservation with his wife and small baby. Number one, the Indians couldn't stop coming over because they'd never seen a white baby. (laughs) They all wanted to see him. They, when they first moved there, they lived like in a like a one room cabin, like many people the frontier did. Yeah. Indians would walk right in the door and sit down because they weren't used to knocking on doors. And so they had to kind of learn each other's culture a little bit. But a great story, and and why I know this is because being a teacher, he kept a lot of notes. Yeah. And one story that he passed down is he was so well-liked among the Sioux, and that's who he supported, that they had, it's kind of funny, they adopted him as an Indian in the Pawnee Nation, because that's where he came from, Pawnee country. Yeah. In Nebraska. Wow. And so, now that's not a direct descendant. It's indirect, but it's indirect, my grandmother's right. brother. Yeah. But, but there's stories like that. And what, what a great thing to capture and to pass down, like for me to pass down to my sons, my granddaughters, you know, in future generations. 
Yeah. And, and going back to how we read books, um, you know, that are set in history or they are um, in some way, you know, a nonfiction um, account. We have like that period was post-Civil War, Indian Wars, volatile time. We can locate it. We can map it. Right. We can show, you know, the region and what was happening there. And I think that, um, you know, creating an environment for now telling your family's story, uh, it, yeah. it just it, it magnifies everything. It's a magnifier is how I would put it. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, it's just that, you know, like we take for granted, like there's always going to be food around. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. They didn't have grocery stores. Right. It wasn't that long ago that people didn't barter, um, you, you know, maybe uh, um, some meat or, or even chickens for something else because not everybody could raise them or go out and hunt. Um, and from being a man until just not long ago, they, you know, it was pretty tough to survive. And we take so much for granted today. We take a closet full of clothes and yeah. think, wow, we don't have enough maybe. And they only had one thing to wear, maybe two. It depends how far back you go. And the people who traveled go back to those people on horseback. You only carry so much with you. Yeah, right. And some of that had to be food and water. You got to barter it. You got to manufacture it yourself. You know, like yeah. how else are you going to acquire new goods? Right. Yeah. Um, now, when it comes to DNA, like that's the new that wild card that didn't exist when you started. Yes. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that it reveals. And Merging that with our discussion about direct descent, um, we can technically be directly descended from X, Y, or Z person, right? Historical or not historical, who, you know, let's just yes. use a, pretend it's a historical person. So let's say we're descended directly from a historical person. We may have 0% of that person's DNA. Because yeah. of what it takes to produce who we are today, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and they can't refine it down far enough to say what fraction uh, of DNA you might carry from that person. Right. It's just too, too minute. Right, right. Yeah. But it's got to be there somewhere. Yeah. I mean, but it's, you know, if, if genes are more recessive, right, on one side yeah. and um you know they get squeezed out you know over the millennia right like it i mean not just centuries but millennia if we're going back 10 generations why not 20 and mm. um if that's the case you could be directly descended i mean theoretically we all should be directly descended from a number of historical figures just yeah. by virtue of numbers right that's right that's right uh but what does that mean you know, like, what does that mean, number one, for my story? And what does it mean for me uh, as a person or as a part of a community and things like that? And I think that's what makes the D the DNA complicates that because people may be directly descended from someone and at the same time may have no DNA from, you know, whatever that historical person or yeah, uh, maybe even a village or tribe or community you know, put forward, right? Yeah. How does DNA like shape the investigative process? Well, I, I think it gives us more um, places to go to reach out to. Mm -hmm. Because for instance, 
I will get a, a notification on my, you know, my computer. It'll say the possible match. And it'll say there's like 2% DNA match, but then the person might have a, uh, uh, a family uh, genealogy chart and it'll show what, um, what relative that we, common relative we have. You know, might yeah. go back four generations, say, you know, that person was their great grandfather, like he's my great grandfather, but they were a child of a sibling of that person or the, the, the next generation. So it, it's pretty interesting because when I, in ancestry, because I just only one I know, yeah, it'll say possible match. What, what I found interesting about that is <laughs> like, who are these people? You, you see there, sometimes they upload their pictures and their, names and you know yeah. you have some public it's almost like social media at that point and then you find out wow they live uh 20 minutes away yeah like i was saying about the cousin yeah how does that happen you know where just all of these years these decades um you know maybe centuries split people and families um and you end up close by That's i mean it's I mean. a bigger deal i think for a place like the united states or you know the north america places where People are, they're not grounded the way they are maybe in Europe or, yeah. you know. Um, Traditionally in Europe, people East. didn't move. People yeah. just stayed in their village. You have to have a reason to move, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you're either pushed out um, or you're a traveler. I mean, some some communities like the Armenian community, right? They have a, a base of operations in the Caucasus Mountains and, you know, the Middle East. But historically, they're everywhere. I mean, there's yeah. Armenians that went to India, to Manchuria, and, you know, yeah, I, I think DNA is an interesting, you know, um, wild card. Do, do you know much about the uh, maternal versus paternal uh, no, DNA only that, been happening? Only for a long time, they didn't have a way to track the maternal, and I can't remember what it's called, but now they do. Yeah. Um, now, if someone is from a community that's not well documented or their documents no longer exist, right? I mean, there's certain communities in the Middle East that had limited writing and then they were persecuted and vanquished. So they moved, you know, or yeah. whatever texts they had were maybe the foundational texts they brought with them and not necessarily community texts. Yeah. Um, how do those folks get started in this process? I, th I think you have, you have to use the word assumptions. You know, you have facts and assumptions. So the facts of which you can actually put your hand on assumptions are th the probability that they were there mm -hmm. or in that line. Yeah. And I, I think um, there, you, meaning location, I think that's kind of key too, because mm -hmm. it, it lets you know, um, who may have the common problem or the, the common um, limitation, right? So if right. you know you're from a, a village, you're probably part of X, Y, or Z tribe. Yep. And, you know, um, other family members from the Middle East, we know what tribes their ancestry goes to and who married which tribe. Like, so the Assyrian Bosnia tribe is related to um, us on two different ends, one on mom's side <laughs> and the other on, on, um, you know, my wife's side, right? Like, but they're neither, well, one is maybe directly, but, um, <laughs> they know whom they married 
and they know, you know, oh, he had a wife, you know, my grandmother was from this community. We yeah. forgot her. We don't know her name, but we know she was, you know, Basneta and things like that. And so it's, it's a fascinating, um, you know, thing to track down because you can maybe tell their story. Well, yes, wait, I got to interrupt you because yeah. it is fascinating because you never know when somebody might contact you and say, I know the rest of that story. Right. Yeah. Because because you don't know it, it doesn't mean somebody else didn't have a record of it. I think that's a great point um, because, you know, what we I'm sitting down with, you know, Uncle Tony. Right. And hearing his stories about your parents are different than what you remember about. Yep. Yes. Your parents. And I think that bringing genealogy back to the idea of community you get to hear things or know things from other perspectives, right? Oh yeah. And, and that's, that's going to be in, like, they may, like you said, they may know the story or a detail yeah. that was gone from, you know, maybe, you know, you and your siblings didn't maintain that or you never knew it. And now suddenly like, well, here we go. That tells you more about your parents or your grandparents or. It just looking at it from a different position too. You know, maybe more objectively. Yeah. Right. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hearing sometimes, I don't know. I, I, it's a, the get, I mean, it is, it's a hunt, right? The same way an investigator will, you know, follow a paper trail, but also interview people. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, one, you know, great grandfather on my side, on, on um, my mother's side, um, sold a company to another larger one. And the larger one um, was, you know, the name of the company we had wrong, but we had it wrong because we were retrojecting, you know, what it is today. And it's by a different name today that's similar, but that person who bought it was working for a different one, a different company at the time and hadn't manifested his own yet. You know, so we can say, and it's little things like that, that you kind of need to, to mitigate yeah. both, you know, the, the interview side with the um, textual side and, and following the paper trail. Yeah. Um, if people want to get into this and they've, you know, they get stuck, is it smart to think forward? In other words, do, should we leave clues for our own descendants? Right. Oh, and I think, yes. Even even speculation, leave clues, say, this is what I believe, you know? And I mean, even if you have to jump forward a couple of generations to say, I think we were part of this clan or this group. Yeah. I, I, or how about creating or manifesting our own documents? You know, are there certain documents that are, um, I don't know, more valuable? Like, obviously, the, the records are good for measuring timelines, right? You know, the baptismal birth, uh, death yeah. certificates, marriage certificates, all those things, they give us datable events, but they don't tell yeah. us, how was your marriage? How was your childhood? Yeah. What was it yeah, like yeah. in your, your, you know, golden years? We don't record that. It's that, yeah, what a challenge that would be. Um, but now is the time. It's easier to record things now than ever before. Absolutely. And um, I think that it's a, 
it's a pastime that doesn't ever have to stop. It doesn't. It's ongoing. And yeah, there's no finish point. Right. You're either hunting the past or maybe you're prepping the future. You know, what will your kids or your kids' kids be interested in? Maybe they're not, but maybe their spouses, right? Yeah. It's like I have this great family history on my side of the family. I would like an equal one on my wife's side of the family and somehow blend those together to one book for the next generation. Right. (laughs) And then they're inheriting one side. Right. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. Know? Then it gets back down to that one side. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a it's a great thing to do. I think it's a a noble thing to do. And um, you know, certain families have it in their tradition. Whether it's a matter of, um, you know, I mean, people did it for inheritance and legal standing and, and yeah. things. But it's better than that. It's. Um, you know, it's really telling the story and helping to manifest, you know, who each of us are as persons. Yeah. Right. So well, it does help tell us who we are, like, you know, what our roots are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we could probably go on, um, you know, on this topic for, for a while and maybe go down a specific, you know, rabbit trail in the future. I think with some of the books, especially the Roman books we have on our schedule, to talk about um, now people knowing that it's not just because we're interested in things, but we tie it to who and what we are. That's right. Maybe they do themselves and maybe they want to pick up a book like that themselves, um, you know, to find out about their communities or, you know, who is doing what at what time and things like that. Do you have any final thoughts for people about getting started in genealogy um, or sharing their genealogy, connecting with community? Well, pretty much, it, I, I think it's simple. It's just doing a little basic research, talking to family members. Um, it's not complicated. It's especially talking to like grandparents if they're around, you know, it, and just try to capture everything that they're willing to tell you. On video. Fam- we can well, do it Even now. on video. Like um, now it's easy. You have it on your phone, right? There's no excuse. And I really think it'd be nice to have a follow-up on this with my sister who does genealogy for the family. And I think she'd tell you a lot more detail on how she did research. Let's do it. Until then, um, you know, thanks for for taking us on this detour away from the, the <laughs> book conversations. Um, but I, I think this is going to magnify, you know, I mean, even Washington's Immortals, we could do that. Or we could do Dances with Luigi. And, you know, all yeah. of these now they have a different context because now it touches us. And maybe it touches other families, too, who are watching or listening. It may. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fascinating. Thanks for stopping by. Well, thanks for having me. It's good talking about it. It's a fun project. All right. See you later. Or hobby. I don't know what it is, but it's a lot of fun. It's ongoing, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, good talking to you. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.